Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brett Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Jesse on a little vacation uh, at this point in time, doing a little work, but also getting a little R&R. So the three of us today uh, talking plenty about Tennessee recruiting, uh, talk a little Tennessee basketball as well. Of course, Tennessee, we're going to return to the practice field at the end of this week to get ready uh, for their bowl preparations as Tennessee takes on Indiana uh, in the Tax Slayer Bowl. We'll also talk about some interesting coaching hires that have taken place since the last time we did the podcast as well. So plenty to get to, but we'll first start with what is on everyone's mind, uh, and that is the recruiting front. Uh, the, the significance of Omari Thomas, first of all, Austin, as a player, as Tennessee landed that commitment on Monday. Well, I think it's big from the standpoint of that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt and company feel like he's, you know, if not the top guy in the state, one of the top two or three and uh, anytime you can land guys like that it helps your program especially along the defensive line let's face it it's a line of scrimmage league why was Tennessee you know better this year down the stretch I think it's because they were better up front down the stretch you know and they were better on the defensive line they were better on the offensive line they were able to run the ball in certain games be able to make plays on the defensive line get to the quarterback so um, to, to anytime you can land a, a top shelf lineman I think that's that's big um, and then just the perception, too. I mean, the perception of winning a top player in the state over the teams like Texas A&M and Auburn, um, you know, and continuing to have success out in West Tennessee. So well, that's, the program's that's what, not done. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, you know, Rob. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, Tennessee's been hot and cold in Memphis. They've had some runs where they've been pretty good in terms of getting some of the better players in Memphis, and then they've had, you know, some, some flat-out dry spells in Memphis. Now Tennessee's setting with – you know, four or five guys in Memphis or the West Tennessee area not done. How important with Lane Kiffin arriving in, in Oxford and, you know, the way A&M's trying to get in there, how important is this for Jeremy Pruitt? I don't want to say to get a stronghold, but to have success in, you know, six hours away from the house. I think it's huge because I'm golly Hubbard. I mean, we've been, I mean, you've been doing it for longer than me. I've been doing it almost 20 years. I mean, Memphis has always been a tough code to crack. I mean, Philip. I mean, even when Philip was rolling, it wasn't like he could, you know, was just rolling in there every year and picking and choosing who he wanted. You know, for, for obvious, you know, for, for, for some different reasons, maybe Jeremy Pruitt's combatant now, RIP Logan Young. But it's, it's just never been a slam dunk. I mean, you know, for that matter, Nashville isn't either these days. But Memphis is always, you know, Nashville's caught up. Historically, Memphis produces more prospects than any place in the state. And just the way the state is configured, it's always been a, a, a dogfight because so many other SEC schools are closer than the quote, quote, quote unquote, in-state school. Yeah, you're, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think you're going to go in and dominate <coughs> Memphis, but you've got to go in and have some have success and be a factor in there year in and year out. Yeah. And, and I think this staff realizes Memphis is important, whereas, you know, maybe previously that wasn't the case with some coaches. This staff realizes They've got to have a place in Memphis. They've got to have a. They've got to be a factor in Memphis year in and year out. And I think one thing you just said is going to be fascinating to see unfold is what's the lane. What's the lane effect going to be there? Because I would. I'm guessing he's going to assemble a pretty good staff from a recruiting standpoint, and you know he's, um, you know, pretty charismatic guy that relates. That's an hour away. I think. Yeah. I think he's going to be a bucky wrench. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's. I don't know. I mean, he, I don't expect he would go in and dominate no, in Memphis, no, no. but he's going to be, as you we talked about, Austin, in, in uh, the ride to Memphis and uh, coming back, he's going to make you work differently than you were having to work. 
I mean, no offense to Matt Luke, but you're more worried about Jimbo Fisher coming into Memphis than you were Matt Luke making an hour drive up. Oh, hell, even Chris Morris at Arkansas, or not Chris Morris, but Chad, Chad Morris. Morris. Yeah. You know, I mean, they had more success in Memphis, you know, the last couple of years than, than Ole Miss did. Um, 100% agree. And now, I mean, Lane's charismatic. You know, I mean, he is a guy that's going to have some juice. You know, he's he's not going to change who he is. He's still going to have his Twitter jabs and all that stuff. And, you know, there are going to be kids that find that appealing. So, I mean, I, mean, I think each – each year presents its new challenges. You know, who thought a couple of years ago that Hugh Freeze would be out the way he was out? I mean, who who knows how the landscape changes every year? Well, and, and, and who who's, who's to say that one or two position coaches don't change the the landscape of things as well? I think this is as good a year as Tennessee's had Memphis. In. Do I? This is as good of a year as they yeah. had Memphis. In, I mean, over a decade. Oh yeah. I mean, who's the only significant miss? Morris. In terms of guys that they wanted in Memphis. Yeah. Probably. And, yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm not gonna say they didn't want Chris Morris because that would be inaccurate. They did want Chris Morris, but Chris has got, you know, he's got some personality, kind of. It's not even flaws, not the right word. Quirks, quirks. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's just he's I, different. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the kid loves to watch, you know, Paw Patrol. I mean, he's 17 or 18, however old he is. I mean, you he's, know, he's got a silliness to the him. silliness to him that when you when you go on a visit. The kids on the on the current campuses are like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, on the field has got some straight dog in him. I mean, like, when, you know, he he knows how to play and he's really good. You know, so uh, you know, like I say, I'm not saying Tennessee didn't want him because they did want Chris Morris, but at the same time, there was a quirkiness to that whole deal that, you know, it's not like they, you know, when they they lost out on Jay Hardy, you know, they lost out on, you know, Trayvon Ribka. But with Chris Morris, it was, it was it was just something different about that. Yeah, it was it, it was a deal where it, it seemed like there was just some uncertainty. Everybody liked everybody likes his game, but they're not sure how well it's going to translate into college if the quirkiness and the silliness doesn't go away. Yeah, if that doesn't change, because because to Chris, I mean, part of Chris Morris's success right now is he's just physically that much more talented than everybody. It's not going to translate that way when you go to the SEC. Okay, you're going to go up against some guys who are better than you that you're going to have to work towards. And can he get some of the quirkiness out and the game become much more of a focal point and seriousness about it and, and almost a job-like to him, which he doesn't have that – he doesn't give that vibe off at, at this point in time. I want to say this, too, to Jeremy Pruitt. A lot of people a year ago were talking about – you know, missteps in state and, and mistakes that he was making in state. They didn't take this guy, they didn't take that. And I think we will all agree that there probably was some missteps, you know, in trying to figure things out. I will give him 100% credit for the, for the relationships he's worked in Memphis, particularly with a guy like Aaron Hayden. Aaron Hayden is not delivering anybody to Tennessee, okay? That's not what he's doing. But, Austin, you know this better than I do, but we both talked about it and we've both seen it. Aaron Hayden has relationships with people in Memphis that helps Tennessee, uh, that has helped, well, he, has helped Jeremy Pruitt understand the landscape of Memphis. Because he had, he's had three boys, you know, one's at Arkansas, and of course Dallin's at Christian Brothers, and Cullen's nine. But he's had boys that have come up through the, the, the peewee ranks, and so he's always had a good feel for, you know, families, for the family dynamic of kids, for, you know, for just kids in general, and kids know him. Um, like I said, it, 
you're right. He's not, you know, hand delivering anybody to Tennessee, but he does have a – he's a good resource for knowing, like, you know, who's going to be key in a recruitment. Right. You know, who, who to – you know, who to target? You know, when you're when you're when you're selling a kid. You know, is the mom key? Is the dad key? Is the uncle key? Is the coach key? Um, you know, and again, I just think that you know, Aaron is Aaron's a great resource. One because he loves Tennessee, and, and and always has. You know, I mean, I don't think he loved the previous coach, but he he lo- he loves Tennessee, and um, I think he really likes what Jeremy Pruitt and company are doing. And again, kudos to them, Rob, for for. Yeah. For the staff for reaching out and developing a relationship. And with a guy like Aaron Hayden, just having a positive relationship means that, and I'm not saying this about Aaron, I'm saying former players in general, a lot of these guys are involved in high school football in their communities. And, you know, man, I'm sure a lot of them, this previous staff would tell friends or coaches or families or whatever that, you know, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Or, you know, that, you know, and I don't think that's the case anymore. No, I think Aaron, I think Aaron likes this staff a, a great deal. He likes the makeup of this staff. And I think also is right. I don't think he was very comfortable with some of the things with, with the last staff. And I think, you know, the fact that the last staff didn't make Memphis any kind of priority didn't sit very well uh, with Aaron and some other former players in, in Memphis. And I think that's why uh, Omari Thomas was a big deal yesterday for, for Tennessee uh, to, to get that commitment. All right. Let, let's go to Tate Rattledge. We're going to bounce around here a little bit. But let's, go to Tate, let's go to Tate Rattledge next. I've seen everything out there. You talk to as many people as you can, Austin. It it feels like he's going to visit Athens this weekend, which would make you think he's going to stick to the Georgia commitment based off time. But, but I don't know that anybody knows that for sure. I think they're 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 trying to connect dots based on time and based on you know the fact he will make that visit and he's quote out of time. Now, could he theoretically not sign? Take a, a, a visit the first part of January and still enroll somewhere in January. No one ever thinks that way. Though. No one does it. But does anybody get that into? Does he listen to anybody who puts that thought in his head? I don't know. I don't know either. I do know this: Tennessee has had dialogue with Tate. It's been. I, I do think it's been minimal, but I do think there's been a little bit of dialogue there. Um, you know, from Tennessee side with Tate. Um, I, I think the most dialogue has been with Cooper. You know who has worked that one, um, you know, the last couple of days. But doing so more so like not, hey, come here, but more just being his friend, just listening, just understanding. Because, I mean, let's face it, Cooper knows Sam Pittman. You know, that family knows Sam Pittman all too well. And so, um, you know, I, I think this was a big blow because he solely picked Georgia based off Sam Pittman. Those are his words, by the way. Yeah, that's, not, mean, that's not inferred. That, that's that's that what, was what he, he said after. clearly. Yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think this, this rocked his world. You know, the problem is, though, does Georgia get him by default based off the timing? And, uh, you know, I think for him to, you know, potentially come up here and see it again, um, not that he has to see it again, but I think, I think he does. I mean, you know, he, he don't have to see the campus, the facilities. He knows all that. But it's coming back up here and being around this staff. Because, I mean, like, at the end of the day, he shut Tennessee off after he picked Georgia. The dad peeled the decal off, and I think you know, if there was enough Twitter repercussions, you know, fans are just ruthless, man. And that's, and that's across the board. It's not Tennessee fans. It's, I mean, if, if, if he had been a Georgia kid that had picked Tennessee and pulled a G off, it would have been the same thing. Um, you know, and so I, I think the, you know, the repercussions of that is, you know, it, it, it makes it a little harder when this happens because, you know, you remember the, the wounds of, you know, six months ago and, you know, the venom and everything that was thrown your way because your dad pulled a, a TD decal off his truck, you know, and, uh, 
Man, I tell you, it's 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 gonna be an interesting uh, next seven days because I do think that you know, I do think that he's really, really, really shaken up by this because I think he knows I chose this place because of Sam Pittman. I thought he was gonna be there. Now he's not. I mean, like I don't think there's anybody Georgia can hire that's going to wow him to go. Oh, okay, I'm back in. I think he's either just gonna go there by default because there's not enough time. Or he's going to flip to Tennessee because to me there's only two options there. Alabama was out on him because of Brent when Brent Key left. I mean, he liked Brent Key a lot when Key went to Georgia Tech. Alabama became a non-factor for Tate. Any any chance? Any chance he gets in the car and drives up here midweek? I mean, I do think again. I think that that would be the desire of Tennessee. Is I think you know, hey, just now he's just, likely got final exams. He's trying to graduate early. Maybe academically, that's not something that you can. No, but you could you drive up here up. one day after school. That's what I'm saying. Spend four or five hours and drive back home. I mean, you're that close. Right. If I mean, I, I mean if, if you're if Tennessee, I'm, that's what you're trying to do, you're, right? You're trying to get him here. You're just trying, look, give us a shot. Four hours. Give us four hours. If we don't change your mind, then, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll have to, you know, worry about trying to get around you when you're blocking in Athens, you know. And the biggest thing I think, too, is for Tennessee, not talk about Sam Pittman. Not talk about, we told you he wasn't going to be there. Not talk about any of that. Just say, look, we always wanted you to be here. You obviously were really committed to Georgia. So, you know, you didn't take our calls all fall. But our desire to get you here has never wavered, you know. And, and, we, in, and have Cooper continue to work yeah, him. Yes. And have Harrison yeah. Bailey continue to work him. And yeah. guys that he has relationships with peer-wise to continue to work him as well. Yeah, no doubt. Because I, I mean, think that's important. I, I think those guys – have to heal wounds more than a coach on the phone calls in or, or gets him on the phone and says, well, hey, we want you up here. Okay. And Sam Pittman had told people, um, you know, um, and Rusty Manziel on a Twitter, uh, in a tweet, a Twitter video with the Fox Atlanta station mentioned this, um, you know, uh, earlier in the week. Sam Pittman had told people he was only to coach one, two more years and be done. Now, everybody says that. You know, but the facts are now. I mean, you don't think Sam's gonna go several years longer if he can continue to be the head coach at Arkansas? I mean, the point is, is like, it, it, it's never, it's never as finite as it seems. Point is, is you know, because of Sam had told people that. I mean, I think Tennessee said, "Hey, look, he ain't gonna be there. You're going someplace. You know, you know, he, he's been telling people he may not coach, but another year or so. So I mean, what, what, how, how long you'll get coached by him? So I mean, like, you know, they, their whole point was, don't pick a place because of one person. Pick a place because you know it's the right place for you. Is there a trepidation on the family's part to, you know, is there a worry that you're going to have to hear, I told you so? I don't think Tennessee would say, I told you so. But I think you know it. You don't have to say it. You know, they, you, know you walk in that room and you know they said he wasn't going to be there and he's not. Yeah, you know, but again, I think if you're, and this is hard to do as a 17-year-old, Rob, but if you're, or an 18-year-old, if you're Tate Ratledge, you got to put whatever, whatever bygones you may have or, I don't want to say embarrassment, but whatever you have there, and go. You know what? This is my. This is a decision I have to make for me for the next three to four years. I've got to be. I got to be happy, and you got to put all that other aside and decide. You know, is Georgia where I'm most happy, or would it be Tennessee where I'm most yeah, happy? Yeah, and I think. And I think if you're Tennessee, you just sell them on. Hey, look, everything we told you back last winter in the spring. I mean, it's happening. Look, what we. You know, what we're building. We're right. playing. We're playing young guys. We're, we're getting better. We just won, you know, we won five straight games to close the season. We're doing exactly what, what we sold you on. But, you know, you, you shut it down before, you know, you get to, we get to see it on the field. 
And I mean, I, I think it's really, I don't remember one. I mean, there probably has been, but I don't remember when a player of this stature, what top 20 national player with you know, these kind of ties to, to Tennessee, all, all of a sudden it being up in the air like this you know, in, the, in the last week before signing day. Well, and that's the chaos of the early signing period, you know, and, and that's where you've got a lot of guys right now. Um, he's the most high profile one involved with Tennessee, but you get guys around the country right now who are trying to figure out what, what you know, what, where, am I supposed to stick with the school I've got? You know, the coach that I that was there has left. How much does that school want me? Or now there's a coach at a new school who says they want me. Everything's kind of chaotic. And, and I think that's the I think that's the downside to the timeline of the early well, signing. And the period. other downside is it's gonna be the same thing in January after some of these kids have signed. Oh, you know, coach someone's coach Jimmy Bob left and now, you know, here I am. Yeah. He he took a new job with Sam Pittman or Lane Kiffin. Yeah. And and that's why I think that Again, February has always, from a coaching standpoint, February has always made the most sense. I know there's been some coaching changes after February, but those are fewer and further between compared to what you got right now. You got nine new coaches going into Ole Miss. You got nine new assistant coaches going into Arkansas. And they got to come from Missouri. You know, and as a result of that, you got you got a new co-offensive coordinator going into Clemson. You got a new offensive line coach going into Georgia. You, you know, the, the domino effects of that creates a lot of chaos here. And a lot of kids are going to get duped because a coach is not going to make a move. He's going to set Pat till after the early signing period. And all of a sudden in January, as you mentioned, boom, some guys left. Well, I mean, look at Tennessee staff. I mean, you know, I don't think T. Martin's going anywhere. But, you know, if somebody wanted to give him play calling duties, I think T. would jump. And why would you hate on that? I mean, like, that's a, that's a promotion. You know, I mean, that's something that, you know, T's got to look out for the best interest of his career. David Johnson's a guy that's on an expiring deal. You don't think he's going to get some calls? You know, he's done a really good job this year. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's a guy that, you know, just got his first, first Power 5 gig two years ago here and um, has done a really solid job coaching two different positions, no less. And, um, you know, I think that he'll get some calls. Kevin Scherer and Chris Rumpf are on uh, – uh, going to be entering the year three of a three-year deal, which means their buyout is significantly lower than it was. And so I think it's 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 possible those get, those two get calls. Brian Niedermeyer may get calls. So, I mean, like, there's always going to be dominoes uh, that, you know, maybe you don't see coming, but I think it's easy to anticipate that these guys are going to get calls, and it's going to be up to Jeremy to either renegotiate with a guy like David Johnson and give him a new deal. Um, you know, Brian Niedermeyer is a guy that, you know, obviously – you know, gets paid really well as a tight ends coach. How much more can he get paid as a tight ends coach across the country? Probably not a lot. I mean, um, and then, and then two, you know, he need, he has to decide what he wants to do with, you know, guys like Sher or Rump if somebody go, comes calling for those guys. Well, I think the thing that what you're going to see over the course of the next few days is you're going to see um, coordinators get into place, and I think it's going to be kind of quiet. I don't know that you're going to see full staffs. You may see a few yeah, more. Yeah, you're right. Just, like, if Barry Odom's going to Missouri, he may bring two or three guys with him. So, excuse me, going from Missouri to Arkansas, he may bring two or three guys from his defensive staff with him. So, Arkansas may be a little further along. Lane Kiffin's interviewing offensive coordinator candidates now. You know, he, he's doing that in the next couple of days. And so, those guys may not be settled there. Uh, but, again, a lot of chaos coming not just this week, but I think you're going to see some chaos coming in the end of December, first part of January, when coaches go back out on the road. A lot of kids are going to be signed, and a lot of kids are, are you know, some, not a lot, but some kids have concerns about that stuff, and that's why they're not signing. 
All right, let's let's get back on the recruiting trail here. Let's run through a couple more names when we look at this. Austin, I don't know the packing order of this, but you got Mormon Joseph, you got the Coleman kid, you got Perry in in, in Mobile, all similar players. You got you got the kid in in Nevada, Caho, Caho, excuse me. You got Tisdale, Tisdall, excuse me. There's five there. <laughs> You can look at that and make a case that Tennessee's got a real shot at all five of those guys. They don't have room for all five of those guys. Don't you think when you look at – and everybody asks the questions about numbers and how to manage it, that's the one spot that's going to be kind of the most fascinating? Because, look, you know they're going to take they're going to take Washington. They'll take Tate Ratledge if he wants to if come. If Jay Hardy wants to flip. If Jay Hardy wants to flip, they're going to take that one. But you look at those five names, and that's a really unique and really interesting potential pecking order – of one, how many are they going to take, and then who's in that pecking order, and does how many they take depend on what happens with Callaway now that Florida's offered, and, and other possible guys out there as well. I, I mean, I think we joked about it in the car. It feels like the board changes hourly. Well, it does. I mean, in this staff, you know, they, they waffle back and forth. I mean, you know, right or wrong, they sit there and they debate what, you know, what their needs are and how important getting and who the best player is. two linebackers are versus you know yeah or that too but I mean like you know I, I think right now you know Coleman Kari Coleman and Morgan Joseph if they want in they've got spots uh, uh, probably uh, probably ahead of those some of those other guys yeah I mean Perry's a tackle I mean he's a three hundred one pounds versus Joseph and Coleman are guys that can stand up they can play inside backer if they need to um, you know so those are different different bodies but the other guys Caho um, you oh. know. And by the way, I didn't mention Oxendine and Tyler Barron. <laughs> oh, I know. I you mean, know? it's, again, almost nine, nine out of ten times you can connect the dots. And this year, it's, you know, it's like that. You know, I love that, you know, for, just for you, Hubs, because you're such an Andy Griffith fanatic. I love, you know, it's when when uh, Opie gets the, the, the you know, racing ink. You know, I mean, you you, you you color the ink, the dot in, you're ready to draw the line, and then it disappears because you know, you're going to go in a different direction now. So um, it's, it's one of those interesting deals where, you know, it's harder to connect the dots this year based off the fact that they're in on so many quality guys. All of them are realistic options, and they only have so many spots. So, yeah. I mean, you Washington, Barrett, and Oxidine takes – so yeah. then, what, how many numbers? Assuming that all three of those go your way, what's your what's your hard number that you look at? Five. Um, well, I mean, I, you know, right now you and you count Jabari. If they get Jabari Smalls, yeah, sweet. That's four, that would be four. So, how many open spots would they have? Four. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think you know, right, for well, all those guys, we just. Let's see, they dropped two and added one. So what are they at, 17 right now? I think that's right. Yeah, so if they add those four guys. I mean, assuming they clean sweep the defensive linemen and then add Let's add say smalls. they add Baron and Ox and Diana get you to 19. Smalls gets you to 20. And then let's say they get Darnell, that gets you to 21. That gives you four spots. For what, a dozen kids if they're still realistic. I mean, that's why, I like, you know, <laughs> they like, somebody said, I was, what was I, uh, smug, smug in the chat last no. night. Because I said – too late, in my opinion. It is my opinion. It's too late for a kid like Kaufman. And you know they're gonna bring him in here, but I mean, they bring kids in here all the time, and they have no intention. I, I think they've down. offered some kids in the last two weeks that they knew darn good well they weren't gonna have a spot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I really do. I mean, have you, know? you ever seen one like the Butler kid? Where they, I mean, this late two weeks in, they take a kid they, they through and say they they cut him. 
Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I'm not being critical of that. I mean, no, I'm, I'm I mean, on record as saying, you know, hey, those, those numbers But are then you have a situation where you don't know what's going to happen with Mordecai McDaniel, okay? But if you lose that one, you, you really can't just say, okay, we'll take another defensive lineman. That one, that, one, that one, if I'm Tennessee, I'm really worried about. Yeah. And I know Tennessee's really worked that one hard, but that kid likes Florida. Don't you think if they lose him, they've got to replace him with a DB somewhere, a safety guy somewhere? One would think because, I mean, like, you know, uh, when they took because him, they kind of looked at him playing Keyshawn at corner, and now all of a sudden I think Keyshawn will get shifted back to safety. Well, and you also, you, I mean, you've cut Art Green, okay, because he didn't have a great year, so you've cut that. So now you're down two less DBs in this class, intentionally with Green, and then if you, if, you, if, 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 I want everybody to hear that, if, 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 Mordecai McDaniel left you. I think you got to. Rep- I think you've got to try to find a DB there, you know. But who who's that going to be? Maybe well, it's one of these junior college kids. Maybe it's uh, who's the kid in Florida that's been linked to Clemson? Kendall Dennis. You know, I mean, he was here this summer for uh, for camp. You know, but you're right. I mean, he's been linked hard to Clemson. Now um, maybe there's not a guy to take. You know, maybe there's not a DB to take. So you do take another defensive lineman or outside backer, or, or maybe you're looking for another playmaker. Uh, you know, at the receiver spot. You know they want to hold on to Callaway. And then you got guys like Lenneth Whitehead. Now, I don't think Tisdall will be in this class, but Lenneth Whitehead may. I mean, again, that's another one that one day you talk to somebody, in. Next day you talk to him, probably going to get left out. Next day, in. Next day, left out. I mean, it just it literally changes all the time, and that's why you never want to – again, at this point last year, you know, the, the – <laughs> there were people over here that they weren't getting Henry, and they and they battled back in that one. You know, they weren't getting Crouch, right? And they battled back in that one. And you know, you just never say never with this group. And you know, they they they, they kind of recruit the way their team plays. You know, they don't give up. And you know, even when things you know seem bleak, so that's why I'm not going to discount them for you know anybody. I wouldn't discount them for Savelle Smalls. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, you know, I don't think they're getting Savelle Smalls. But, you know, Savelle, if he doesn't do anything until February, again. Q, Q15 people in the GQ posted the Jim Carrey. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, you're saying we got it. There's a chance. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, again, if, how many spots do you leave yourself open with going into February? That's, that's the that, other that's question. Be yeah. my, that's that, that's because, the other question. How do you, how do, you do you sit there and you, we're talking about numbers crunch all for, well, I, all for next week. But then you've got Jay Hardy who says he's not going to sign. Smalls, Savelle Small says he's not going to sign. D. Beckwith's not signing. D. Beckwith's not so in, signing. In, in, so in my opinion, you leave yourself at least one, and then you take the best guy out there. And if that's Jay Hardy, it's Jay Hardy. And if, it's D, and if it ends up being falling to Beckwith, it falls to Beckwith. Point is, is like I think you leave yourself with a little wiggle room going into, uh, into February for that very reason, because you're not going to turn these guys down. That's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, and Darian Williamson is a guy that you put in this class right now, but he's not he's, – I don't see him signing with Tennessee in a in a full scholarship, regular scholarship capacity. He seems like one that's going to get a colored shirt. Yeah, I mean that, that would make the most sense. Is is that that one's going to he's going to get blue shirted, gray shirted, purple shirted, whatever? He'd still be a part of the class, but numbers wise, it would count differently. Um, is what that one you know feels like is going to happen there. Um, so coaches are on the road. We'll have some we'll have some notes tonight on exactly where all the coaches have been. 
lots of jockeying going along. Lots of rumors going to be floating around out there. This is the time. It, it happens every year, Rob, where you get to the point where you think, you know, your school you follow is going to get everybody. You know, Tennessee's <laughs> in that nobody. window. They're, they're, right. They're, right now they're, they're trending or have yeah. a possibility Depending for on everybody. whether you're listening to me or Brent. <laughs> Brent's nobody and I'm everybody. <laughs> Maybe which is um, only which is only ninety percent true. Uh, it's the yin and the yang of VaultQuest.com. That's what we do. Um, all right, so continuing to follow plenty of that, and there's plenty of the debates and discussion about that stuff uh, that we'll have moving forward. All right, let's jump to uh, basketball right quick. Uh, big game on Saturday. Hate fest. Hate fest. Big opportunity. National stage. Sellout crowd. Gates are going to open at 1.30. They're going to give you 90 minutes to get 20,000 people parked and into this arena. Uh, so have some patience getting in the gate on, on Saturday. But this is a Memphis team that battled back the other night. They look like they're dead in the water. They found a way to win. Um, Penny Hardaway's, I will say, saying anything bad. I mean, he's complimentary. Tennessee's 19th in the country. It'll be loud. It was loud here. We'll go see what happens. What do you make of the, of the Memphis team from a – skill and the matchup standpoint. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, not having James Wiseman really changes the whole complexion of their team, but they've still got plenty of talent. Precious, I'm going to butcher his last name, Ochinawa. All you got to do is call him Precious. Precious, really good Nobody's going to get him confused. He, he, I mean, really, really good He and all that is set really fast and confidently. (laughs) Ochinawa. Ochinawa. Just call him him Precious. Precious, really good player. Um, And we're not talking about Derek Dooley. As his mom called uh, him, the, the, the point guard, uh, Lomax, really tough. But I mean, I just, I mean, I, I like Tennessee's chances in this game just because of the experience factor. I mean, not just because, but it's a big reason. I mean, I think the crowd's going to be insane. Um, oh, dude, they're going to be all over. It's going to be insane. It's going to be, the, it's going to be the, the craziest environment that you know most of these Memphis kids have ever played in. Um, even you know the, the couple of veterans they have. I mean, I don't think they've seen anything like the, what they're going to see on Saturday. And I think it could adversely affect some of Tennessee's young kids. Yeah, because of how rowdy it wouldn't I mean, they'll be so amped up. I mean, I don't think they'll be feeling pressure, but they'll be so jacked up. But, but from uh, because of that, I also like – I think I love the fact that you've got Jordan, Lamonte, Fulkerson, Paz, all these guys have played in some big, big basketball games. How big of a game is this for Tennessee? Ah, it's not a huge I mean, it'd be a nice. It'd be a nice win for at the end of the year. Is it more perception of because of the ball up fist and all that stuff? Oh, that, I mean, I that, think that it's it, huge for fans. That it has a bigger meaning. I think it's huge for fans. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, in the great, even it, it will be a nice resume win at the end of the year if they can get it. But at the same time, I mean, you know, it's going to come up in the selection committee. Well, they, you know, they beat a Memphis team without James Wiseman. You know, say if, if Memphis is sitting there at twenty-seven and three at the end of the year and. And you know, ranked in the top ten, that, that it will be pointed out that Tennessee beat, beat them without Wiseman. What's what's the key step? And we'll talk more about the more about Memphis on Friday. But quickly, what, what what's the next step for for Rick Barnes's team? What, what what do they have to do over the next between now and first of the year? Because you got Wisconsin, you got some different. Cincinnati games on the road next down. week will be what, tough. What's the next step for this team? I mean, just, I mean, look at the numbers. It's turnovers, man. Lamonte's got. 28 turnovers. I mean, and, and he's in a different role. I know it's a big part of it. But he's got 28 turnovers in what are we in eight games now? He had 35 all of last year. That's that's pretty remarkable. I mean, and, I, and again, I know it's because he's handling the ball all the time, but still, I think he's pressing. I think he's trying to you know find that balance between being aggressive, being a playmaker, and um, and, and valuing the basketball. Something that you know Jordan Bone struggled with 
as well. But I mean, I think for Lamonte, it's been, and I, I think the fact his shot's not falling right now is, you know, maybe make it impress even a little more. But it's not just him. I mean, there's too many turnovers, and that's like they, that game against Florida State. I'll, I mean, I bet Rick will be talking about that all year long. How they, they lost a game where they out rebounded an opponent by ten and held them to thirty three percent shooting. I mean, because you gave them twenty one extra possessions with, with your turnovers. And um, they, they got to clean that up. I've been impressed by the rebounding. I thought that was a big, a big, big problem. I mean, Florida State had a lot more size than Tennessee did. They, and they handled their business on the boards. We're good against VCU that way. So um, as long as they can continue to do that, I mean, I, I think the, the way Josiah has come in and, and been a real presence on the backboards has kind of alleviated some of that concern. But just clean things up on offense because when they when they don't turn the ball over, I mean they're a really efficient shooting team. They, they I mean they run good stuff. They have you know guys that can put in the basket. So taking care of the basketball, I think they're going to be better. Or they are better right now defensively than I I would have thought with so many new kids. And I, I mean I think that's their strength. I mean, yeah, I'm they're, they're way ahead on that. Yeah, team. I'm surprised at how the freshmen have played defensively because typically. Uh, the, the play of their their, their offense their play on the offensive end of the court as a young player really affects how you play sure. defensively. You've not seen that out of Josiah. You haven't seen that out of the other freshmen. You know uh, Olivier, Devonte, Devonte. Yeah, I mean those those guys understand. Look, if I play defense, that's how I'm going to get on the floor. And they have not let any offensive inefficiencies uh, or, or you know struggles that, affect think, them defensively. It says a lot about the culture, a lot about the leadership. I mean, the the old guys. You know, have been holding them accountable since June. That you need to learn this stuff. You got to, you know, this is how we're going to win some games. And I mean, I, they've played, you know, three out of their eight games. But against pretty good teams. Nobody has shot forty-one percent better than forty-one percent against them yet. Well, and they're also getting some of those young guys and some of those perimeter guys to the glass, to, which has helped their rebound too. And they're I mean, long. When I mean, when when Jordan Bowden decides to rebound the basketball, you mentioned Josiah when. When gains, I mean, when those guys go attack the glass, it alleviates so much off of Fulkerson and, and Kumwa, you know, Olivier, yeah. whoever they've got in there with but, him. I mean, they're not huge inside. I mean, you talk about Fulkerson, Pons, Kamwa, I mean, 6'9", six, 6'8", six, six, guys, but, but they're long on the perimeter, and that's showing up. I mean, Josiah's 6'5", 6'6", six, 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 Jordan's 6'5". Six, the only guy under 6'5 on the team that plays is Monte. Yeah, and he has a crafty way of finding the basketball yeah. a lot of times when it comes off the rim. All right, let's get to the coaching hires here as we wrap this up. It is Lane's probably the most intriguing, sure. but is that the is that the best hire when you throw in Florida State's hire of Norvell and some of the stuff you've seen around the country? It's going to generate the most buzz, but is that the best hire? I, I tell you, but the Norvell hire to me makes you wonder if Virginia Tech didn't get the wrong guy in Memphis a couple years ago. Ooh, that's an interesting. I mean, think point. about what I mean. Fuentes has not been great in Blacksburg, and Memphis hasn't dropped off at all. With Norvell still there. Actually gotten better. Yeah. I would I would contend that they have they have gotten better. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've maintained offensively where they were, and I think they've gotten a little bit better defensively. Really surprised that Fuente promoted within from that for the defensive coordinator spot. Well, that, I, don't, I don't think Barry Odom would come because he's going to Pittman to Arkansas because that gives him a chance to play against Missouri every year. I mean, that makes a lot. Boy, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm defensive coordinator Barry Odom, I think I might want Virginia Tech as opposed to to lining up and having to defend Play the SEC West here. every week uh, with, with a program that you know you just played in Arkansas, you know how far away they are. I think he wants to play Missouri. This is the last game of the year. Playing Alabama, Auburn, LSU. Well, maybe the checks. Maybe the, checks I mean, I, maybe the checks going to be big, and he could bring more people with him 
to Arkansas, the, which you probably could not the do. The way it all ended up, the puzzle pieces fitting together, Lane at Ole Miss and Pittman at Arkansas makes way more sense than Lane everyone to Arkansas. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't I, think that was a good fit and then, at all. Dude, I mean, <laughs> you just totally, since we've now decided that we're going to use four-letter words in the, in, the, in, the, in the podcast, you totally shit on one of your own at Missouri for Eli Drinkwitz? I mean, for real? I mean, like, I get, I mean, like, Barry Odom was left in a weird spot. I think he's done a really a solid job there. I think that's the toughest job in the conference. And, 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 and you just totally just tossed him out in the trash for Eli Drinkwitz. May, explain it to me. Because to me, it just, it seems like the most bizarre move and a move that's such a knee-jerk deal, and then they realize, oh, crap, we don't can't get anybody. And, you know. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, Sam Pittman has a tie to Arkansas, so maybe that one makes – now, I'm – I'm really surprised he's the head coach at Arkansas. Okay, I, I just, don't disagree, but I but, mean, but maybe, but that's probably you weren't getting rid of one of your own at Arkansas, right? And, and that's, that was where I was going to follow up. I mean, and Pittman is a guy who has been at Arkansas. He knows people there. He could work those relationships to, to try to get that job. You're not a guy that's got one know. year as a head coach, and he and he won at Appalachian State with a program that was built to win for him. I mean, oh, yeah. if Scott Satterfield had stayed. At Appy State, I think he's the coach at Florida State instead of Louisville. Because, uh, look, they were going to be a top 25 caliber team, yeah. whoever the coach was. Drinkwitz didn't come in there and reinvent the wheel to make them a top 25 team. Um, so I, I think that that one is um, that one is is a bit um, a bit unusual there. So are we going to go with Norvell? We're going to go with Lane Kiffin as as the team that, that the team that hit the best. That made the best hire because I think I, mean, I, the, think, I think the, the coaching pool of candidates was clearly as thin as we've I seen think in a decade. More proven, just from what I mean, you know, I know Lane was in a tough spot at USC with the, the scholarship restrictions at the time, but you know, he didn't he didn't set it on fire out there, and then I mean, you know, he's he's won down in Florida, but that's you know how much of that is the, the league, and I, I mean, I just think that what Norville's done in Memphis is, is more impressive than what Lane's done as a head coach. Okay, I, I can't. I can't argue with that. I think Lane. I think Lane has proven himself as a great play caller. I think the question we all have at this point with Lane is: Can he manage? How much has he? In, how much has he grown in terms of managing? Can he run a program with a hundred and plus kids in it? Right. Manage. I mean, his, manages a staff of you know, 25, 30 grown men and women. And did he listen to Bobby from Tupelo when he took the baby from him and <laughs> get it burn a farm? That's one of the great. One of the greatest. One of the greatest tweets out there. I was just telling Lane Kevin, better have a burner phone. Um, but I, I thought his mannerisms in a press conference were different than, than previous press conferences. I mean, it was, had a little more, I will say, saving feel to it, but it was a little more less playful. He was reserved, less yeah, playful. A little more, little more salty, not salty, but a little more reserved, kind of down to earth. He still got deal. his little jabs in there, better than last time I was on the tarmac. Yeah, that was you know. pretty funny. There. I mean, but, like, but he didn't call out anybody like he did when he was up here. Well, I think he's admitted that that was all know, Mike, and right. then he just went with it, and then all of a sudden he became villain and decided to roll with that with that now, stick. I, I think what's what's fascinating is his AD sitting beside him looks like he's in about the eighth grade, and I wonder I wonder if Lane if he if Lane's going to run over him, you know what I mean, and just do whatever he wants to do. Or if Lane has a better understanding of, of what he can and can't do now prior to the last time he had a job, you know, USC or, or Tennessee when he had a Power 5 job there. So, 
A lot of people think that's either going to go really well or really dumpster I, I fire. Not a lot of middle ground on, on that one. I would agree. I, I'm interested to see if Pittman could do anything in Arkansas. Just from the standpoint, he, he was one of my favorite guys to deal with that, that's been through here. Yeah, he was. carousel of, you know, assistant coaches over the last decade. He, I mean, really good dude. I'll, I, I would say he can assemble a pretty good staff just based on his relationship. Who's, who his offensive coordinator is going to be, I think, is uh, maybe is what I have um, – earmarked as the most significance for him because yeah. well you know what he wants to do offensively but does he know enough of the pass game and he can't call his own play so who's going to be you know his offensive coordinator chad boris by the way it looks like he's going to end up at auburn with his buddy gus i guess as an analyst because gus is going to call plays we, we know how that that deal is going to go gus is oc heading to uh florida state yeah to, to join norvell's staff there and then George, obviously, with a huge hire to make on the offensive line. And Dabo Sweeney in a unique place, having to make a hire uh, with Jeff Scott leaving there. Poor Dabo. Poor Dabo. Life's hard. I mean, he's going to be bad at the world. Trevor's not going to get to go to New York. He's got to make a coaching hire. I mean, everybody's just picking on Dabo. It's number three. It's, it's hard. He's, you know, Fell from number one to number three as the season went on. And haven't lost a game. It's tough. It's tough for Dabo. So, plenty more intrigue with the coaching carousel taking place. We'll see if Butch Jones lands a job at Colorado State. Plenty of intrigue on the recruiting front, which is the priority for Tennessee, as their staff is in place in Tennessee with some numbers to manage and some interesting decisions to make. We'll follow all that for you. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you on Friday for our next podcast.